1: When Ryan's when it's time to begin, it's on the rewinder up with John Pollock and Waiting, the 18 that makes sense of these things we see in the ring every week on TV. It's rewinder Rock for Monday night, download a Tuesday morning from the post wrestling site. It's Rewinder Rock for Monday night on USA now on the John and Wade on Mike. Hello everybody and welcome to Rewind Raw. I am John Pollock, joined by Wei Ting. And dare I say Wait, is this a new t shirt? It's
0: not, actually.
1: It looks had like it a new for, one.
0: Had it for a while. Oh, okay.
1: Well, there we go.
0: How are you? I'm I'm doing okay. Yeah. Not bad. How are you? I'm doing
1: I'm doing alright. I'm doing okay. Okay. How was your weekend? Uh, my weekend was good. It was it was nice out. Went to a uh, park. You did? I, yeah. I went out went, went out to the park. That nice. It was a lot of fun, yes.
0: Um I, I, I uh took the kid kid out like on the street, you know. Oh really. yeah? He's That's out on it wandering on the street No, right. just like in a stroller, really. Like, you know, small small tiny tiny steps one at a time.
1: Okay. Well Yeah. That, that was fun. Has he Yeah, like, we'll
0: work up to a park
1: at some point, eventually. Have you like taken him out before? Like was this like a big
0: I mean, it hiding? was kind of our first time, like you know, even taking the stroller out of the house and uh-huh. and uh, or at least like um on, on the way to the park. So I, I suppose a bit significant in that one, that way.
1: How was that? It was, was it great. Nerve, it was nerve wracking. He's was really,
0: really a... quiet. No, he's really quiet when he's out. I think it's like the rumble of like the stroller. Like in the car, he's always like super quiet. So, um, we should take him out more often. I think.
1: Oh. Well, maybe maybe he could give notes to my uh to my daughter at uh at four in the morning when she decides, you know what? Everyone's day is about to start right now because I'm gonna scream and just not well, stop. So
0: there's, there's plenty of that going on here too, so yeah.
1: Well there you go. How 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 early have you been up since? How, I actually how these, had a really how did these good three nap three hour Raws feel at the end of the day.
0: I had a really good nap, um actually before this, so I was okay. Um last night I was I pro- I mean I've been sleeping at like seven AM so I I try to fit in naps when I can, but I'm doing all right right now.
1: Well, we're going to be doing all right this week because we've got a great schedule of shows coming up, including volume six of the world renowned talk series with world myself Renown. and waiting 90 minutes of it.
0: That is correct. Yeah. We'll be back tomorrow. Uh, you know, this is a, an edition of talk that John and I recorded on our way to Buffalo. So you're going to hear the whole ride. Um, and if you enjoyed the thrilling conversation about strollers and taking kids out, um, this uh, is one that you won't want to miss because, uh, John, of course, you know, there's a lot to catch up on with you about the whole process of what it's like to become a parent for the first time. And, uh, I really appreciated, you know, now being able to kind of relate to you on a, on a different level. So we spent a good amount of time talking about that.
1: Selfishly, I really enjoyed this. I don't know if if everyone's going to enjoy our uh, our parent chat, but I I really enjoyed this one quite a lot. So uh, mm-hmm. we will see if everyone cares so much about that. Uh, there's very there's like no wrestling in the in this chat, so we will forewarn people ahead of time.
0: There usually isn't. I mean, that's kind of the point, you know. Yeah. So that'll be available, of course, in the post wrestling cafe uh, and also in the YouTube section. Uh, for YouTube memberships. Uh, again, we remind people that the Post-Russian Cafe is now available on YouTube. So if you sign up here, you will get that as well. Uh, also Apple Podcasts. In that's fact, right. you, I, you can even do a free trial huh? for one week on Apple Podcasts to see if you like all this stuff. You know, maybe it's like, maybe you, you try it a week and you're like, you know what? These guys suck. I'm done.
1: I do hear that sometimes. So <laughs> that's okay. It roll, rolls off, reasonable. off my shoulder
0: perfectly reasonable but then again there's there might be at least one out of ten of you who would be like you know i kind of like these guys so you could even do a one week free trial if you're an apple podcast preferred um i guess listener
1: there you go so you can you can take a bite out of the apple see if you like how it tastes and then you can commit to more there is of course post that is that is your your go-to place for all of our bonus shows and we will have multiple bonus shows this week including rewind to smackdown and MCU later with rich fan and WH park that are just uh, taking the world by storm, dropping exclusives about echo. Apparently there was some big news that came out Friday that was uh, reported on MCU later the day before that listeners could have heard about. I don't know. Was it big news? There there was something I saw uh, that, that, uh, that was broken. I don't know if it was broken. It was, it was discussed the night before I guess. And then it became a news item the next day. Ah,
0: okay. Interesting. I have to pay attention a bit closer to the news cycle, but that's right. Yeah, last week they had the showrunner for Echo on to talk about She-Hulk and WH uh, returning back to MCU later this week. Uh, I'm sure he have plenty of takes, maybe even about the, his stay in Chicago.
1: Yes, yes. <laughs> Always, always takes from W H Park. So you can catch all of that uh, at postwrestlingcafe.com dot com this week, and a special show that's dropping on Wednesday um, that will be on our main feed on the Post Wrestling feed. Braden and Davey are doing a special roundtable show uh, to, uh, in conjunction with the one year anniversary of NXT flipping formats to the current. NXT 2.0 branding and they are going to be joined by uh, Jason Solomon and Denise Salcedo and they're going to be chatting all about the last year the transition from the black and gold era the good the bad and many of the ugly that has come out of NXT 2.0 some good stuff though as well so I'm looking forward to that discussion with the four of them Uh, that's dropping on Wednesday so you'll get an up next on Tuesday covering the anniversary show and then Wednesday is the roundtable show.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm really excited for that, you know, to be able able to hear some of these, like, I think, um, big names, you know, in, in in the podcasting wrestling YouTube space in, uh, Solomon and and also, uh, Denise. So very excited to hear about those guys. And can we all give,
1: give credit that the best, uh, audio and video of the famous press conference, courtesy of Denise Salcedo last week. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. As as much as people I'm sure love watching the CM Punk, uh, press conference with the uh darth vader voice i work with children (laughs) it's it was really like jarring to listen to all this where it's like you can it sounds like you know that you're listening to like your your cassette's broken or something
0: yeah i'm not gonna take this shit any longer
1: i'm tired (laughs) i'm hurt i work with children
0: how many quotables have you know, we'll, we'll I can't do believe our there are well, press I mean, conference, I mean, there will How be many so t shirts could be made. You know, I, I think Target t count- shirts are, I guarantee you, like you know, a hot seller's now. If Target makes t shirts,
1: oh, they're when the time is right, there should be a Young Bucks shirt coming out with like the Target logo of what they can get away with, uh, with like the Young Bucks over it or something, or like a fit, like <laughs> managers. I mean, I, I think this needs to culminate
0: at the Target Center. It could. Yeah. Minneapolis book it.
1: All right. Well, that's uh, just some of the shows coming out this week. Uh, this past weekend, uh, we had Russell Nomics coming out with uh, with Jesse, Chris and Brandon. Uh, UFC 279 post show with myself and Eric Marcotte uh, covering Saturday's card. Did you did you follow any of the uh, the craziness that came out of the card way? Nate Diaz winning in a spectacular fashion with, with a guillotine. I mean, it was it was quite the card on Saturday, despite all the uh, the chaotic changes in the 24 hour lead up. I know you love the chaos on Friday.
0: Oh, well, who doesn't? You know, I feel like I've, I heard more about the UFC show than many in, in quite a while. Uh, I heard about the results. Haven't seen the fights, but, you know, happy for Nate Diaz to be able to go go out on a win.
1: All right. So all of that up at post dot com and uh, and check out Apple Podcasts, YouTube and post wrestling cafe dot com. Anything else you'd like to get out of the way before we go on to news? Way,
0: let's get into the news.
1: Well, I wanted to start off um, with the the very sad news involving uh, the passing of uh, Elias Theodoro, who was a former UFC fighter, uh, won Tough Nations back in 2014, and uh, this was someone that that we got to uh, know very well way uh, over the many years. Uh, I know myself; I got to meet him several months before he started on the Ultimate Fighter, and this, this was someone that. You know, when he was 21 years old, that was the first time he walked into a martial arts gym. He did not have a background in any martial arts at 21 to pretty much start from scratch. And within several years, um, he's in the UFC. He's winning at the UFC level. I mean, he went eight and three in the UFC's middleweight division and had some. Quality wins while while he was was there, uh, beating the likes of a uh, Sam Alvey, uh, Cesar Ferreira, who was the tough Brazil winner in their first season. Uh, Dan Kelly, his only losses were, you know, to Thiago Santos. Brad Tavares and Derek Brunson, um, Derek Brunson, like still like a high level quality uh, middleweight in the UFC and then left the UFC. He fought several more times, winning um three fights outside of the UFC. But somebody that just had, I mean, such a personality about him. He had his hand in so many different areas uh, beyond just fighting like this was someone that did modeling he had these endorsements he was just involved in just all these different areas he he pushed really hard to get a therapeutic use exemption for uh medicinal marijuana he had he had suffered an injury and he had some like nerve issue so he was able to get a therapeutic use exemption to use uh marijuana first in british columbia and later in colorado um he he did a, a stint with uh, Invicta FC where he was the guy holding the ring cards going going around the cage the just ring someone boy. with like yeah he was the ring boy and just such a tremendous personality about him like that was my first impression of him was man if this guy can fight he's going to be the star of this reality show and then he goes on tough and he ends up winning the season and It was just such a likable individual of the the many, many times that I I got to speak with him over the years.
0: Certainly, yeah. I was thinking earlier today, and I feel like he might be, if not the very top, certainly among the top of people that we've shot the most footage of at at the Fight Network, you know, at least during the time that I was there. And um, it was because he was incredibly, you know – Uh, 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 talented as a fighter but he was also also very
1: very media savvy i mean he was somebody that like would reach out to me to like come on and and talk and i'm sure did with many different outlets like he was the one this was like when he was in the ufc just wanting to you know get get his name out there and just Mm -hmm. like you can find like so many pieces on him and different interviews he did like he really understood that that aspect of selling himself
0: yeah, I I don't exactly know like how how big of an extent of a professional wrestling fan he was. I I, I didn't even realize he like I saw somebody uh, alerted me to like an old tweet about him asking what happened to our show on the Fight Network, and so I guess he at least like paid attention, you know, to to the wrestling content on the Fight Network, and. um It shows because I think he very much had that sort of mindset of, you know, knowing that this was not just a sport, but uh, a personality driven industry. And uh, it culminated in him being a part of the Amazing Race Canada, too,
1: didn't it? That's right. Yeah, he was on that uh, a number of years ago. I think it was the third season he was on that. Just, Just seemed to be somebody that just had his eye on marketing himself and going in many different directions. Like he understood And he was somebody that in later years, like, he was, you know, he spoke up about, you know, fighters' rights and the the pay issues. And he understood, like, this is a platform I have that is not the be-all, end-all when it comes to, you know, making, you know, all these, like, you cannot just make your living in one area. It was, I can use this platform to get myself into all these these different uh, directions. And just reading some past interviews with him, I mean, he was just... A very, a very intelligent individual, I, I found, and mm-hmm. and you could hear like he was very well versed in the fight game, but also how it applied elsewhere, and and getting his name across. Like this, this was somebody that, yeah, like he was talking about, you know, potentially one day, like getting into politics. Like he just he seemed to have like a very high ambition for himself beyond wow. fighting.
0: Yeah. So, so he last fought in December.
1: He fought right. just this past December. So, yeah, this was um like. Very few people had known that he was sick, and um, a message has come out on, like, the like his family has put out uh, a statement that he, he died on Sunday, uh, and the statement writes, he passed away peacefully at home with his family and loved ones in his corner after a hard-fought fight with colon cancer that metastasized, and he faced his end as he lived his life eternally, irrationally, and infectiously optimistic, and... Yeah, there's uh, just information as as well about um, uh, just just some of the places that you can donate. But it sounds like he he kept this very quiet. It was only a select few that he had alerted that he was sick. And then this broke late on Sunday night. And uh, I I woke up to this this morning and just reading it immediately. And just, you know, and many people just so surprised. He was only 34 years of age. It's a very Mm. tragic story.
0: Yeah, certainly. Um, You know, we in covering the sport, like we, I think we know a lot of people who you know were very close to him. So, I, I obviously I want to send all my you know thoughts and and well wishes to to everybody affected by it. And he was a big name in in our little community here in MMA.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, rest in peace to Elias Theodoro. And yes, our condolences to all of his, uh, friends and family. There's a lot of, uh, tributes out there. And, um, you know, you can, you can go r- read a lot of, you know, the interviews he did. Like they're, they're really, uh, enlightening and somebody that like it was not, uh, I, I recall like just, you know running into him like in the street like when he was you know around, around town and and stuff like that so just always a very personable individual and somebody to just really to me uh, understood like what his what his goals were in, in fighting like not necessarily making it to the top level but someone that again had a very respectable career fighting you know the likes of fighters that he did and i i don't think like enough um people probably realize just how he came into this, like at 21 and by 26, he's winning the ultimate fighter, like no experience before Mm -hmm. that. I mean, that is, and this is someone that had like a lot of options of where he could go in his, in his career and really dedicated himself to fighting in, in a big way, like training a tri-star uh, with uh, grants here in, in Ontario, a a lot of gyms. Like he just had a really, he, he was very much connected to the entire Canadian scene. So there you have uh, that story. Numbers from Friday. Smackdown did a huge number, 2,367,000 viewers. This ended up being the second highest number of the year for Smackdown uh, behind the June 17th show, which that was two days after the first Wall Street Journal story broke and the episode that Vince McMahon uh, appeared on at the beginning. So you throw that one out because of those odd circumstances. The last like normal show you'd have to go back to is all the way in September last year when they were at Madison Square Garden. So a huge viewership um, in 18 to 49. They did a point five, seven, seven hundred and forty four thousand viewers, and that was up 17 percent from last week. Um, they had a big increase in adults, 35 to 49 and finishing First among network programming, second for the night behind the uh, US Open tennis tournament. So, um, this, it was interesting to see this way, uh, the two comparisons on Friday with this and Rampage that SmackDown, you would have to look at this as kind of a post Clash at the Castle bump that SmackDown received. Uh, Rampage did not receive that, that post pay-per-view bump and maybe some of that was seeing on dynamite that there was not going to be any follow-up on the, the controversy coming out of the pay-per-view but uh, smackdown i just i look at it as you know coming off the pay-per-view with reigns and drew maybe braun Strowman showing up was you know something worth on raw that people were interested in ronda rousey wrestling i mean i, I don't know what you necessarily assign all of this to but this was in, t- in terms of overall viewers um second highest of the year
0: yeah, I mean, at this point, I think we can you know, pretty much safely say that this, whatever momentum they are carrying off of the regime change um, has sustained itself. And it's not just that, but I think a this is the first time
1: SmackDown has gotten, you know, like SmackDown has not had the big bump that Raw has. But this would be the first time we've, we've seen like a noticeable increase affecting SmackDown.
0: Right. OK. Yeah. But I mean, to me, it just, you know, it, it is indicative of the continued um, uh You know, a recognition that the product is in a better place right now. Storylines are starting to make a bit more sense. The in-ring product is better. Um, Whereas, I, you know, there there are a number of things going on with AEW, but I think in particular to Rampage, people still recognizing that, you know, what you're watching on this Friday night at 10 p.m. Eastern isn't necessarily the most relevant product um, and that you don't necessarily need it if you need to get your full fix.
1: Uh, also, it was it was very close between Dynamite and SmackDown in Canada. SmackDown did uh, just under 135,000 viewers, 66,000 in the demo. And Dynamite last week did uh, 132,000 and 81,000 in the demo. So it was... SmackDown just edging out Dynamite in terms of overall viewers and then Dynamite ahead of them in the in the key demo here in Canada. So an interesting comparison point there. Rampage in the U.S. on Friday did 429,000 viewers and a point one four in the demo. They fell 11.5% in viewership, down 12% in the demo and ranking 16th for the night among cable originals. And they had a pretty sizable decrease of 21% in men 18 to 49, although women in the demo uh, were up um, their highest in several weeks. Um, But this was Rampage, uh, their lowest viewership since July 29th and not getting any kind of post pay-per-view bump. And that was uh, for for a show that, I mean, it did have the, the tournament match attached to it. And then whatever value you might assign to a ROH title match on the show, it was, it was a show that had two, Notable matches, but th- this was just a, uh, a rampage that did not have much momentum following everything that happened with AEW last week. Mm-hmm. And that was Rampage, the, uh, the, the show that we, we, we try to figure out every week, where, where this thing is going. And it seems to be just in a, uh, a, certain, a certain level.
0: Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm very curious to see like what some of some of these upcoming rampage only tapings may look like. You know, in particular the Toronto one that's set to be its own date. Um, it, I w will, will they, you know, dress that one up a little bit more to to, to fill it with with stars that you don't typically see. On rampage? It's a
1: it's a good point because like October and November, it's going to have a lot of either live rampages or in the case of Toronto, its own taping that Mm. you would you would think like you do have to kind of bulk these shows up because you're you're drawing on their own it's not just being done off the back of dynamite and it it was certainly interesting like not to say it was it was shocking like you can you can see the differences of dynamite and rampage watching it but being in the building last wednesday like you really do see that shift in those 15 minutes from dynamite ending to rampage starting and just sort of the the air that's out of the balloon of an audience that finally gets to exhale after two plus hours of really great wrestling, fast paced wrestling. And suddenly you take a breather and then you're trying to get the the audience up again. That's it, it was a struggle last Wednesday, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Raw tonight was in Portland, Oregon at the Moda Center, the Moda Center. And it started off with Seth Rollins coming out, and this crowd is just loving this guy. They're they're chanting his theme, and he talks about karma beating Riddle at, at the Clash. And he turns down any notion for a rematch as the audience is chanting for it. And this leads to Riddle coming out. He just says, bro, drops the mic and charges at Rollins and chases him into the crowd. Um, Riddle gets knocked into a railing, and then Rollins runs away. And as Riddle is going towards the ramp, the Judgment Day come out, and they try to recruit Riddle. They state that they were all stars on the rise until someone held them back. So they all have something in common, and Priest is bringing up their history together in NXT. And they mention, look look how much we've helped Dominic already. And Riddle is giving this some thought, but says that he's focused on Seth, and he declines the offer. And Balor knows that the laws are relaxed here in Portland, so your brain might be cloudy. You can either stand with us or you stand in our way. And with that, Riddle drilled Balor with a knee, sends Priest out to the floor, and we went to a commercial break, and the impromptu match is made between Finn Balor and Matt Riddle.
0: How much were um like Riddle and Priest presented on screen together?
1: I mean they were They had I mean, they match. Were there. They were there at the same time in, yeah. in
0: NXT. And... I, I mean, I just find it because like I felt like, you know, that line was more so about like them training together. Um, uh, well, I forget the name of their their wrestling school. But anyway, uh, like I like them bring up like sort of these like real life off screen relationships between the characters to kind of deepen their history.
1: That's a good point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. He was uh, like I was just defaulting to uh, to NXT, but you, you do have that background between them uh, as well. So mm-hmm. that's, it, it's good to monster that.
0: factory. Thank you, Brian. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, this Riddle, Riddle Rollins feud is continuing, I think, as we expected coming off of, um, the, the pay per view. And, uh, it seems like it's kind of being built in largely the same way. You know, it brawls through the crowd. I mean, it, it was successful the last time. I, I get the sense it'll probably be just as successful. This one I give a lot more leeway for because I think we all know that the, the end result what the, which is the match will be really hot. I'm, I'm hoping this time they add a stipulation to it you know, just to kind of dress it up and make it a little bit different, but yeah, decent little interaction between the two here to set that up. It should
1: be like the, you can just do your extreme rules match in Mm. October. Like that's, you don't need any like creative stipulation beyond that. I think. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and Riddle can get his revenge or not. We will see. So, Vin and Matt Riddle had a match. They went 13 and a half minutes here. Uh, Riddle uh, stopped Balor and hit him with with a fisherman buster and then goes to the top. Priest distracts him. Ray then jumps the barricade, attacking Damian Priest and takes him out through the crowd, leaving Balor by himself. And Riddle hits the bro to sleep and then a bridging German for a two-count. Floating bro lands on Balor's knees and then it is Balor uh, missing the coup de grace. And Riddle hits the draping DDT, out is cheering for riddle as he signals for the rko but seth returns on the apron and allows Ballard to capitalize hitting 1916 and the coup de grace to pin matt riddle in 13 minutes and 36 seconds so they, they are continually beating matt riddle that it seems like this has to lead up to him getting some finality in this program beating seth rollins
0: i think it must you know at this point it's um again like uh I, I I don't mind him losing here because I would argue that Balor um, needs the win, maybe even more than Matt Riddle right now. And they did it in a way that really, you know, was served to heat the feud, uh, putting everything onto Rollins for causing the, the loss and telling this continued story of Riddle just being really pissed off. So I imagine they'll just set up a, another beatdown, you know, next week to get riddles momentum back up.
1: Yeah. I, I do hope that from this, we just see Riddle or Rollins like, like really win this feud in that one of them moves on to something bigger rather than okay this guy wins this month the other guy wins that we're right back to this 50-50 stuff and i just mm-hmm. want to see someone elevate themselves and they're kind of talking about that with rollins like they were indicating him going for the championship after although um you know he's he's still here with with, with riddle mm. and then after rollins comes back and he hits riddle with the stomp and tells riddle that it's over between them move on bitch yeah. Several bitches get getting uh, uttered here on the show. Sarah Schreiber catches up with damage control and Bailey brings up the only reason that they did not win the tag titles is because Aaliyah pinned the wrong person. But tonight they are in control. And when she is asked about Bel Air, Bailey ends the interview.
0: Hmm. Yeah. Um. Now they're making a big deal out of the illegal tag
1: it's like someone informed them last week. You realize the wrong person was pinned. You're mm. kidding me. <laughs> yeah. Like it was just like nothing for the whole week. And then it yeah. was on raw last week. All of a sudden it's, uh, this outrage um, mm-hmm. that, that, that has led to all of this. But then we go to a special pre-taped feature on Dominic Mysterio, who has inherited the dark room design. We're renting for, it for Miro. Yes. For we, uh, We got Dominic here to uh, take over. I've only ever been known as the son of the legendary Rey Mysterio. But all that changed at Clash. Because for the first time in my life, I felt alive. I became my own person. I was done taking the disrespect and just bottling it up inside. Ed, you got exactly what you deserved. Tonight, I'm going to finish what I started. Jefe... Dad, I know you're disappointed, but that's too bad because this is my life, not yours. Instead of being upset with me, you should look in the mirror and ask why. Why you never bothered to just get to know me. You think you know me? Instead of teaching, just ask me what I wanted for my career. But for a tiny, tiny man. (laughs) I died at this line. (laughs) Calling your father a tiny, tiny man. You cast a large shadow, and I'm done living under it. And then Rhea comes in, whispers in his ear, and he says, I'm not your baby boy anymore. I'm a man. And this, I'm only hoping, is, because they were hitting it so hard, I hope it's his new tagline, I'm a man.
0: I like it. I'm a man.
1: A real man's man. Dominic Mysterio.
0: This is the most we've gotten out of the heel uh, Dominic character speaking-wise, and I I enjoyed the delivery. It is a little different from his old voice. You know, yes, he still very sounds very much like a 12-year-old. But now he's a 12-year-old trying to sound like a 13-year-old. And um, I think he can't help but sound this way. But I also feel like they're embracing that aspect of the performance. A line like, <laughs> I'm a man. I mean, it sounds like he's basically saying, I'm not a baby. I'm a big boy. You know, it's that same type of like energy. And uh, I <laughs> love it. I love it. I I think the role for Rhea playing sort of like the corruptor. Um, I think Rhea is
1: awesome in this yeah. in this whole thing. Like she to me has emerged as like the leader of the group. Like she feels like the one pulling all the strings. At least with this project, you know,
0: with the Dominic project, yeah. I mean, we've taken Rhea out of the women's division for now, but this is a great way to, I would argue, like increase her star power even more so than you know just having her in the mix of a as a another challenger for Bianca Belair, for instance. That will come, but for now, I think this is a great role for her. Um, I don't know. Do you get the sense or? Insinuating anything more going on between like Rhea or Dominic, or is this strictly just like you know, somebody like uh,
1: I, I don't think they're really hinting in, in that direction, I think it's more just a control that Rhea has o- over Dominic. Like, mm-hmm. they certainly are not I- indicating like going, going that direction,
0: but I find it very interesting and um, I look forward to hearing you recap more and more of these.
1: Well, I've got to say. For this is this is a personal thing. His pacing is very good, like in terms of just uh, like uh, transcribing. He he delivers at a, at a very solid pace, like mm-hmm. one of, one of the best, to be honest. Oh, lovely! So if he's going to give me these uh, these speeches every week, I'm ready. They aired a video for Johnny Gargano, uh, featuring highlights of his uh, his NXT run and building up for his return tonight in the ring Theory reacts to this and reveals that the opponent will be Chad Gable a close friend of his who walks in and says instead of Johnny Wrestling he will be Johnny Shush after tonight and Gargano mm. just ran in livid he was so upset how dare you call me Johnny Shush that's so disrespectful Can you imagine being called this Johnny Shush
0: He's been almost as bad as being called Shorty G <laughs>
1: Well, we had our tag title match, Raquel Rodriguez and Aliyah against Dakota Kai and Io Sky. Raquel is dominating from the beginning. The story here is like Raquel carries this team. That's pretty much
0: Is it the story cuz like I don't I don't hear the commentators really play that up, you know. It is obvious when you're watching the action, yes, like she's the dominant one, sure, but like Yeah, maybe they don't have to. Maybe it, it doesn't have to be stated so overtly, you know, like Raquel can still complain later
1: well um anyway Aaliyah comes in she uh damage control gets the advantage on her Kai hits a a face wash and they just cut the ring off preventing her from getting to Raquel finally Aaliyah counters a double suplex and hits uh, neck breakers to both makes the tag and in comes Raquel uh Sky tries for a Hurricane Rana that Raquel blocks, and they end up crashing to the floor. And Aaliyah has tagged herself back in, so she is the legal woman here. Hits a facebuster on Kai, and Bailey puts the foot on the bottom rope to break up the cover. Raquel goes after Bailey, and then Io Sky comes off the top with a moonsault to the floor. And I thought Raquel was just destroyed on the floor. This just looked brutal and she's done. And that leads to Dakota Kai hitting the chiropractor onto Aaliyah and pins her in 12 and a half minutes, new tag team champions and they get the full pyro celebration as they hold the belts. And then there's a shot of Raquel who is consoling Aaliyah. So they were not teasing Raquel being upset at any of this. My question would be, Did we have to go this extra route to get to our new tag team champions? That's
0: what I was kind of wondering, you know, after seeing the results, even after seeing like the the match announcement being made uh, for this, did they simply want to delay the damage control win for after the the trios match at the pay per view, for some reason, I mean, they well, won the match, so what was it? The, and they like, not why, be,
1: why beat them at that time. Like their first loss should be something of substance, right? It's like instead we just we beat them, and now they've got a loss, and now yeah. we have just. For, for, for tag titles that already need some rehabilitation, it's like here's a totally forgettable title run, a two week title run that we do to kick things off of this this quote unquote new era.
0: I mean, I, I, the other explanation is that they wanted to, you know, give a bit of substance to Raquel and Aaliyah either to promote them as a legitimate tag team or to, you know, further this singles rivalry that the two might have of uh, two former champions, you know, going to war each, with each other. I or, I would
1: say the opposite. They feel like less of a legitimate tag team, just losing this quickly and you could you could have done this story based off of this loss 2 weeks ago.
0: I don't disagree whatsoever. Yeah, it's it's one of the I think rare like you know questionable moves we've seen from this latest regime.
1: It it almost just felt like this was one where everyone assumed Kai and Sky were winning, so we'll go a different route, and we'll still – we'll just get back on track in two weeks. But mm-hmm. I just don't want to see these belts like just bounce around all, all over the place, and we uh-huh. will see what the follow-up here Be- – I also don't feel like Raquel and Aaliyah as a tag team it is a great use of Raquel either. Like it just feels like something very
0: short-term. Uh, even anyway. as a feud, I don't think it's great. No. Like you know? it's
1: – like. Yeah, I I just, I don't know what these two weeks really accomplished for, for anyone. Ray confronts Dominic in the back. He had no idea all that was going through him and holding it inside. He admits it's his fault and he apologizes. You don't have to face Edge. Give us a chance to be a family once again. Dominic won't even turn around and look at his tiny, tiny father. He says, Edge is like a brother to me and an uncle to you. And when Edge is backed into a corner, he won't hold back. And if you face Edge tonight, we can never go back to where we were before. And then Ripley says, comes in and says that they too are dangerous. And Dominic, he's a man now.
0: Yeah, he's not a little boy.
1: Yeah, I mean they're
0: giving the, these this program a lot of airtime, and I, I think it's deserved. It's by this far is the like top the story on Raw.
1: This is like the number one program on Raw now totally absolutely chad gable and johnny gargano this was uh, gargano's first match since uh since war games last december and they mentioned that this is the building where takeover portland took place in february of 2020 where gargano lost to finn balor in this arena so there is a uh if you want some uh if if you want to just go back and look at that card, it is it quite a remarkable card to look at uh, two and a half years ago of what what consisted of a of a major NXT card. Okay. But it start it starts mm-hmm. off with a, a grappling sequence between the two, and the announcers are stating like Graves is stating, you know, Gargano has to prove he isn't a big fish in the small pond of NXT. So that is it the the small pond of NXT. Smith says that we know. Gargano isn't getting any sleep now because he's got a baby. No sleep. No sleep when you have a baby <laughs> Way Gable drills him with a right hand to take over multiple standing switches and then lands with a spin kick and Gargano hits a cannonball off the apron Gable takes over again with a dragon screw out of the corner we see a slingshot spear by Gargano and then Gable places him on the shoulders and rotates him into a DDT misses with the moonsault and then a wheelbarrow into this beautiful bridging German by Gable for a two count he goes back to the ankle lock there's a counter to the American automatic and then Gargano is limping from the ankle lock bounces off the rope into a discus lariat both men are down is into this Otis catches Gable and there's a tope suicida from Gargano to both of them super kicks Otis and then hits one final beat to pin Gable in 13 minutes and 51 seconds I thought this was great very strong
0: an excellent match you know a bit of a standing ovation for these two afterwards it was I mean speaking of takeover I thought this was absolutely like a takeover worthy you know pay-per-view caliber match and I think it immediately showcased the reason why Johnny Gargano is so special. You know, I'm just trying to imagine like the the, the the typical raw viewer who never really saw much of him in NXT wondering, well, what's so special about this guy? Why is this guy getting all this coverage? Um, this immediately showed you he's an outstanding in-ring performer. I think Gable was a very great choice for debut opponent for Gargano. He does not overshadow Gargano in size, so you had you know, a pretty fair looking matchup. In-ring, it was a hot match for the hardcores, which this product on the main roster seems like it's increasingly starting to re-cater to. And I thought it was also, for the newcomers, a good match to showcase all that Gargano had to offer. So it was a a really good debut. And I wonder if they'll like pivot to an Otis match next to show what he could be like against somebody bigger.
1: Is there anyone who has had a greater just reversal of fortune? Then Johnny Gargano like there there is no like I thought percentage. you were going to talk about Gable actually uh, Gable has been greatly helped by all of this. Um, but when you look at Gargano and what he was leaving and the idea that OK in nine months you're going to be on Raw in a push role as Johnny wrestling and you're going to be just sent out to have great wrestling matches and you're going to be one of the top baby faces on on the Raw brand. Like how? Yeah. How how in God's name is that possibly gonna happen when I'm watching a man bark like a dog on one show?
0: Unfathomable, honestly, a year ago. Like this this end of the year is going to be something like very special. But you know what, John, the year is not over yet, so who knows like in six months time what what stories or what I don't know how what maybe we'll see something come maybe Vince will return. It, it's
1: just like it, it's just to me it, it's like uh an, an outcome for this guy that like he could have signed elsewhere just to be yep. you know just for the security of it all mm-hmm. like he really took a gamble not signing anywhere i'm gonna wait and without any possible inkling of what was would be in store for him and this is the position he now finds himself in i mean it's it's just unfathomable when you when you think about like the odds of like something so like a generational shift in philosophy in this company occurring that so greatly benefits you when there was probably a very easy option for for you to just yeah. go to AEW and instead it's like he just stayed at home and he didn't sign anywhere for for nine months i don't know how many guys would 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 take that that amount of time and it just worked out so in your favor at the end mm-hmm. and he got and probably time- got a great deal coming back here too
0: and he got to spend time with his baby
1: so he is uh he's definitely on. him and Nate Diaz not not doing too bad when it comes to uh you know their 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 luck turning out for the better. Mm-hmm. So Otis just yeah, he he attacks Gargano after and Gargano like fights him off, super kick and does a crotch chop before rolling out and he's going up the ramp and gets nailed by Austin Theory who attacks Gargano, takes a selfie and then Theory goes and shows it off to American Alpha. So we've got Gargano and Theory that appear to be in in multiple programs.
0: Yeah, I would say like you know they're probably at like a pay per view um, post that we're kind of looking towards. Whereas you know Otis is probably more like next week on Raw
1: after the commercial. Uh, Austin Theory is in the ring and he says that Gargano is overrated and a bottom feeder at the bottom of the food chain, and he gets on the fans for chanting what? Say what again? And he's just trying to encourage it at this point. Once again, Kevin Owens interrupts him and he says that theory is uh, theory is stating that he's tired of these interruptions. He's going to take over this industry and Owens makes fun of his promo last week and brings up the jaw injury that appears to be all fixed now and brings up the line that he used last week about, You know, him being the he's no longer the the hand-picked future uh, because that's not how it works anymore. And he says, guys like me and Gargano, um, we don't look like you. And Theory says, nobody looks like me, including the fans. But Theory says he's done more in five months than Owens and Gargano have done in five years combined. Which, I mean, this guy did kind of headline WrestleMania this year, didn't he not? Okay, but um,
0: yeah, fine,
1: sir. Sure. Bit, a, a bit of an accomplishment, I would say. Owens says that Theory was gifted the U.S. title and then won money in the bank in a match he was never even in. But Owens also brings up the fact that, yes, I was handed the universal title, but that's the only thing you and I have in common, and I'm proud of being different from you. I actually like the fact that he brought up like the the easy counter argument that that uh, that someone would just uh, have in response. He like he called out the one contradiction to then explain it away. And it just made Mm -hmm. for a more sincere promo that he's bringing up the uh, the the obvious counter argument. And then he just gets into this fiery promo, which I I would love to know what the what the breakdown is is every week that he gets, it's like (laughs) 10 minutes. Kevin Owens talks leads to fighting at the end. And you fill in the 10 minutes because he just comes out and he asks how many guys have come around here that are young and chiseled that ended up going nowhere. There would be hundreds and theory. You're a dime a dozen guys like me and Gargano are one in a million. We are the heart and soul of this business. You are the appendix completely disposable and he hopes it's not true about theory and that you are the future but i see how you carry yourself i don't think you have what it takes to be the future so prove me wrong stop thinking of the moments being handed to you and create some check your ego at the door let your passion drive you to become better and leave everything you have in this ring every single time you're in it and Theory just stands there. This is an incredible delivery by Kevin Owens. And Theory just flexes his muscle and says, you'll never be like me, Kevin. So Owens slaps him. They get into a fight. The referees separate them. And Owens continues on the floor, ducks a briefcase shot, and Theory avoids the stunner. And th- in all of this, Theory gets his nose busted. And Owens just yells, a broken nose is just the beginning, Bitch. He,
0: man, the close up of, of like theory on the ramp with that broken nose looking very unselfie worthy. Um, but like just so mean and violent was, I think, a wonderful, you know, piece of TV. I obviously, you know, what you were describing earlier, John, about what it might look like on that rundown and how loose it probably is. It, it might. I would I wouldn't be surprised if it was too far from the truth because it seems like this has been what Kevin Owens role on the show has has been lately. It's been to go out there, fill about, you know, five to ten minutes of TV time just talking and every time it's been great. Uh and, and that that to me it's become an attraction on Raw just to kind of see Kevin Owens exercise, one of the things as a professional wrestler that I don't know if he's been able to, you know, fully do so much. And that's cut what feels to me like a very loosely scripted, if not maybe even largely improvised type of promo. And I would probably grounded in like a lot of
1: reality, like trying to get the best out of this guy.
0: Well, I would say, say that, um, it, it, it certainly feels that way because I don't exactly know how much cohesion there is between this week and last, you know, like, I feel like this week almost felt like the first interaction that these two should have had. Um, versus like last week where they kind of did like a similar song and dance and even had a match where owens won
1: it was the blow off like that's what if like they did 17 minutes last week and they are going back to it next week like it almost felt like you're supposed to forget last week and this was yeah as you said the the first interaction instead of a follow up when we saw the match last week that ended without any controversy
0: Right. Yeah. So I absolutely love this segment. I guess I, I just question like why you did it last week. If you're going to do it again this week and to build up to another one. I hope the answer is just not simply 50 50 booking because that would be very disappointing.
1: Yeah. And, and I hope too. It's not just the the crutch of like you really want wins and losses to mean something. So what what did beating theory mean last week and why should I care about next week for him to do it all over again?
0: Yeah yeah I mean, like you know you know like you could see him like cheating to win next time um it, like theory seems to be the one poised for like an actual program with Gargano, so maybe you can argue he's more important, but then why have Owens beat him last week
1: uh and maybe, what is Owens maybe this to? leads to Owens getting the briefcase? Maybe they feel that's that's a way better option or get it onto to someone else other than theory
0: It's very possible like under a new regime, I think you would have reason to believe that they might actually take the briefcase off of theory, but um, I think. I think they will have enough like confidence that theory can carry this through or at least I don't think they're giving up on him. You know, at least I think I don't think
1: it's giving up on him. I think it's taking away something that could be a, a negative for him to just do a, a failed cash in because a successful cash in I think say,
0: Who's to say it'll be failed?
1: I I would say it would be a big mistake for him to cash in now and put the title on the sky. I th- I think that would be Doesn't uh, have to be now. Well, it's uh,
0: but I, I know what you mean, like the gulf between like what a Roman Roman Reigns standard is set versus like where Austin theories theory is right now. It seems so far, you know, in the past, like sure, like give me, you know, like a week long title reign. Who cares? Yeah. But now it feels like it, it, it's a different level. of. It's, it's the major the reason
1: is. I don't want to see these belts necessarily broken up again is getting back to that, that it's just mm-hmm. it's it's your turn to have the title. Instead of yeah. who who is the top star that should have this title that it's going to really mean something because they have to be of a certain level to hold this thing. Because two years ago, yeah, theory can win the title because anyone could. Uh, and that's and it, it was a title that was not all that that valuable to and, and now it does feel a lot more prestigious in terms of how it's been handled.
0: Can you see Owens, though, even as that guy to, you know. Um, take over for a Roman or possibly uh, who else who else is sort of in line right now uh,
1: like, of, of the of the available candidates and they, they've got some decent options now of Cody uh, mm-hmm. Rollins who I think I think has,
0: Lashley you know by come WrestleMania he'll, he'll be up there
1: Owens opinion. Owens I, I would certainly put up there like in terms of your your guys that your your promo guys this guy might be right at the top in this company at the moment, um, he's I think he's going to be a very, very strong heel or baby face for, for this company. I
0: think they've done a tremendous job with him over the past month and a half. I still feel like, though, he has a ways to go to, like, completely kind of shed that mid card stench, I would say, that he's had for, like, the better part of, like, I don't know, two, three years, it feels. Um, but, he, you know, they're on a great track right now.
1: If they got to a point with and I know like certainly the, the location helped, but in four weeks where you got Drew McIntyre up to a level, mm-hmm. if you had a a sustained build of a month of Kevin Owens cutting promos and at this level, like I think come come that, that pay per view, I think he would feel like a like a, a very worthy Uh, candidate uh, or at least a challenger that people can suspend disbelief that this guy can talk his way into a really compelling main event program Hmm. yeah they plug the nxt anniversary uh, with the voting taking place and noting that pretty deadly uh, will defend the tag titles against the creeds in a steel cage match and that's going to kick off the show tuesday at eight eastern
2: BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.
1: Bianca Belair comes out and she is issuing an open challenge. And it is answered by Sonia DeVille, who... Couldn't get a crack at the SmackDown title on Friday. So now she's going for the Raw title. And Air says that uh, – uh, sorry, it was uh, DeVille who had said that she cost her position here on Raw and made a fool out of her. So uh, Air cuts her off saying, this is an open challenge, not an open mic. And that leads to our match for the Women's Championship. Uh, Belair hits a moonsault off the apron to the floor, lands on her feet, and is hit with a clothesline. They go through the break. Belair is uh, sent into the post and then comes back with a away slam. Handspring moonsault misses, and DeVille hits a knee off the second turnbuckle. And it's Belair who... Holds on. She's in position for an inverted DDT, but drills DeVille with her knees, kicks off the turnbuckle, and is able to elevate her for the KOD and pins her. This one went 12 minutes and 3 seconds.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, not much to say about this one other than just, you know, it looked like they they needed a bit of a showcase for Bel-Air. Um, and they ran out of people on the roster, uh, on the Raw roster at least. So DeVille, I think, seems to be as good of a choice as any. Like, she's a reliable mid-range heel, strong personality, strong promo, decent in-ring. And that seems to kind of be her spot on the card right now. You know, the occasional little kind of scuffle with Adam Pearce in the back and then coming out and losing to a champion, for instance. So... I'd be lying if I said I didn't think like Deville's ceiling was higher, you know, upon return, especially like at the end, t- towards the end of that Mandy Rose feud, where I really feel like she like leveled up in a big way, at least on the microphone. Um Maybe in ring, you know, there's still uh, like, uh, like, a you know, a bit of a, a divide between like a top level person and where she's at right now. But um, I, I hope there's, there's more for her than just, you know, jobbing to, to the champion on, on either brand.
1: There was a great, uh, Back and forth in this where Corey Graves is going off stating that perhaps Bianca Belair, she's scared of Bailey and Byron cuts him off and he's not going to hear any of this. He's like, what, what are you talking about? How about last week when Bianca Belair challenged Bailey and Bailey didn't accept? How about that, Corey? And it just goes silent. It's just quiet. Graves has nothing. And then like two minutes later, he picks it up and he gave some argument about like I feel like he had just been completely like checkmated in the commentary. So he comes back and is like, "Well, Bianca is hoping that somebody else steps up and therefore takes Bailey's role or something like that." Like he was he was trying very hard here, but it was a uh, not not the best explanation of that. It's always more
0: fun, I think, you know, trying to be the troll and playing like you know using heel logic to defend, obviously illogical actions by by the heel (laughs) how about when she challenged bailey last week and (laughs) bailey turned it down it's this graves like Saxton dynamic that i think they they really like personally speaking i i could do without it oftentimes like there there is you know they, they, they do stumble upon like i think good moments but i also feel like saxton like should saxton i think needs to work on like being able to come across even more like combative or at least more dominant up to Corey's level because cory is the type that is just like so loud you know he'll just like he's almost a bit overbearing but yeah, yeah. no they they're 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 a interesting good pair
1: i i would mind having one week where we hear saxton just playing off of the, your, your play-by-play guy and not having cory there if there would be any noticeable difference with him mm-hmm. if you would see more because a lot of times it's just it's those are my takeaways of Byron is like just the arguments, which kind of just wear thin after a long time. But we'll we'll see with this uh with the loss of Pat McAfee, who who knows, maybe they'll be saying, Hey Pat, what if you just load up like uh Zoom and you could do commentary, <laughs> just we'll send you like you could do it do over you, ISDN or something.
0: Do you like Graves more like on SmackDown without Saxton or, or on Raw with with him?
1: Um I I, I find It's it's not a strong negative. Um, It's also not a strong positive, I I would say. Um, I'm not a big fan of, like, the bickering with with Corey and Byron, Mm -hmm. but I'm sort of just used to it. I found it to be a lot more grating when it was Corey and Renee, where it just found, like, that was, like, it dominated the commentary uh, during that whole era. That it it became a real distraction, whereas I I wouldn't say the commentary is a distraction um, with with them. Mm Mm-hmm. Bayley comes out after the match and asks if Belair was inspired by Dakota and Eo's win earlier. They're going to take uh, control of the whole division, and Belair has a big, fat ego and says that Belair will get her match when the time is right. Uh, whenever the challenger grants the champion her match, that's when it's going to happen. So then Eo and Dakota surround the ring, and they go after Bianca, prompting Asuka and Alexa Bliss to run down and clear the ring. It's a very...
0: Unique way of building to a title match with the challenger being in absolutely no hurry to capture the belt. It makes Um, no sense. I think it only makes sense because, you know, we had Bailey pin Bianca and Bianca. More so than wanting to, you know, um, defend the championship, wants to get that win back. You, it, it bothers her, and that's what Bailey is holding above her. But you're right; it doesn't make sense that you know any competitor in the WWE wouldn't want the championship immediately. Like, what's to stop Bianca from saying, "Okay, you don't get it, then you're never going to get it"?
1: Yeah. <laughs> well, let, let's look at our historical win loss record. I, I mm. can I can rest on that one loss. It's okay. I'll be fine. Yeah. Uh, so then. Uh Omos was uh, going to take on two enhancement talents and we come back from break and we've got the technical difficulties sign and this appeared on the USA Network and then SportsNet had its own technical difficulties screen so we can hear the audio fine we just can't see the picture it just says uh, technical difficulties which I'm sure if we were getting the video with Omos we would be seeing technical difficulties so um <laughs> as advertised Um and then it just comes back as he's got these two guys stacked on top of each other. And uh, that was that. So, did,
0: did you get the names of the jobbers?
1: No, I didn't. One of them um, – I, I don't have them, no.
0: I feel like I heard one of the – like the, the announcers mentioned Akash Marazi. Which I'm sure is a
1: playoff of
0: the uh, Arash Markazi. That has to be, yeah. So I, I didn't catch the other one, unfortunately. I'll say like – so this obviously, like people in the U.S. didn't have this issue, but like for Canadians, no, people
1: in the U.S. did.
0: Oh, they did. So they, there were they some see that did. Yeah. In? Oh, interesting.
1: I, I, I definitely saw screenshots of like USA had having the screen for the technical difficulties.
0: Interesting. Okay. I feel like it was actually more effective in pushing Braun Strowman in this jobber like or sorry, Omos in this jobber match match situation. It's kind of like those old cartoons where like you know two characters get into a fight and then it's just a big cloud of smoke. And then the smoke settles, and all you see are bodies laid out. The, it, this match came back right with the two, like after the pinfall, with the two bodies laid on top of each other. It was almost yeah, it was kind interesting. of perfect. Yeah, yeah. It's almost. And like you also to, don't. You know, you'd also don't need to see the match
1: from Omar. So I, I mean, win, wins all around. This is theater of the mind. If someone was like, man, if only people didn't have to watch Omos wrestle, he'd be such yeah. a great monster. I think
0: they it's- should intentionally do this next week, and the announcer should go crazy. Like, oh, my God, Omos is hitting a shooting star press. He's, got, he's taking on 100 guys at once. I can't believe this. Well, like, they should just call it like it's the craziest match you've seen.
1: Well, maybe they've stumbled onto something here. Edge meets with Ray, and Ray is pleading from one father to another, and he asks for... One more chance. Edge says, you heard him, Ray. He said it himself. He's a man now, so he needs to pay. And maybe it's better that I knock some sense into him rather than you. And he apologizes in advance for going out to massacre Ray's son. I've got to say, I'm sure these two are really tight, but um, Edge is a bit of a dick here in in this whole thing. Why? Why? If, if ever it's a, like sometimes you've just got to listen, Ray, I, I was wronged in this. Dom has this coming. But you know what? Because he's your son, I I, I got to give you a I got to give him a pass here in, in this whole thing. But no, this guy's this guy's dead set on not just like uh, he, he wants to really harm this 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 man. I mean, kick them in the balls.
0: You know, if someday <laughs> someday my son grows up and kicks you in the balls. I will probably try to stop you from wanting to have a match with my son.
1: Exactly. And I feel I I would be the bad guy if I said, (laughs) you know what way? Oscar's a man now. Okay. So he's, it's better that, uh, that I knock some sense into him rather than you. Exactly. But if you and, yeah, like, and, he, and he towers over you and calls you a tiny, tiny, a tiny father. Tiny, <laughs> tiny <man>. Yeah.
0: <laughs> but if you guys were both professional wrestlers, and this this happened to be our industry, and this is, this just happens to to be how we settle our differences. I mean, I wouldn't blame you for for wanting to have a main event with him.
1: I'm just, I'm off. just saying, like for for these two that have been friends for for 20 years, uh, you you would, you would think that uh, Ray has built up enough of a friendship that it's like okay. I'm cashing in a favor here, Edge. I feel that after 20 years, you should honor it. And Edge is like, nah, I'm good. <laughs> Kevin Patrick catches up with Seth Rollins. He says how Riddle misses every time he has a shot at him. And he is the face of Monday Night Raw. And that leads to Bobby Lashley coming up and stating that you don't have the gold. And therefore, you are not the face of Raw. This wasn't any Bobby
0: Lashley. We okay. got,
1: I, knew, I knew you would we uh, had, observe observed.
0: Portland hipster Bobby Lashley appearing on screen for the very first time here. I I mean, uh, I thought, I mean, looking very sharp, looking yeah, very cool. He was,
1: he was wearing his, his Bobby Glassley's.
0: Yeah, <laughs> Glassley's. That's excellent. So. Um, Rollins this this just, is my face on Monday Night Raw.
1: Rollins is like, you MMA guys, you've got no brain cells left. <laughs> and he even made a joke about the octagon, which is just funny because he never fought in an octagon. Um, but he says, this is not the title I was referring to, but I will gladly take it off of you next week. And they set up a match for San Jose next week, uh, which is a city that Bobby Lashley has fought in in uh, san jose so You're there okay. you have it so next week there yeah hipster versus rollins
0: yeah what is, i don't exactly know how you would describe rollins you know maybe he's more like 80 sort of like i don't know um new romantic or something i don't know but um they've done a great job i think with the u.s title to the point where somebody on the level of a seth rollins challenging for the championship does not feel like a step down it actually makes sense why your, you know, one of your top stars on the show wants the challenge for this championship against who at this point, uh, Bobby Lashley feels like he's one of the top stars on, of the brand for, for sure. It doesn't feel like holding the belt would be beneath anybody right now. And beyond that, they set this up really nicely in you know suggesting that this isn't just a battle for a championship, but a battle to become the face of the show.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, like further like to me elevating like what this title means uh, for Raw. Okay, so he hasn't fought in San Jose, but he has fought in <laughs> Mulvane, Kansas, Catoosa, Oklahoma, Fort Riley, Kansas, India in New Delhi, and Enoch, Alberta.
0: Interesting. Okay. Thank you for the fact check. I mean, I wouldn't think anybody would have ever corrected you on that. But Wait, are you, you your are you out of your mind? Are you
1: out of your mind? There would be a target on me tomorrow. Uh, actually, John. Yes. I I know guaranteed of one person. That would absolutely correct me. So from there, uh, we go to uh, The Miz. Earlier in the day, I... Way, you've been on many shoots in your life. I think if you had been sent all the way out to LA, okay, to go do this interview, and this was... Like, they didn't even get a question. They got, like, one question in on them, and then these... They leave. They just get up and leave. This seemed like a very <laughs> like. What was the purpose of this interview? I, I mean, I would hope that they were shooting
0: other things for. I don't know if a network special, maybe like an a-, a documentary, and that this just happened to be the tail end of it. Um, all that setup, all that lighting, just for this, I'd be pissed off. What, interviewing- and then what? See yourself out of the house. Like, I mean, <laughs> they,
1: who would leave this crew in your in your house? Yeah. Uh, there, there's so many questions I have about this. So. The Miz is interviewed, his kids show up, they go over to play the piano, and then Maurice is there, and they're off to some premiere, which I'm wondering what the what the premiere is. Like, their, uh, their season just ended. I
0: mean, it could be a movie premiere. They are in LA, aren't they? Okay. And man, We're, these kids, I, um, I'm always amazed at, at like, kid, child performances and, and their ability to feel so natural. So, like, I'm I'm assuming nobody told instructed these kids, okay, uh, what, what are their names? Uh, I, I don't know the kids' M- names. Mary Lou or something. Uh, I, Mary Lou Mizan. <laughs> I don't fucking know. Okay, I forget the kids' names. Anyway, I'm assuming they like it's like one of those double names, like one of those like uh, hyphenated double names. <laughs> Can you look this
1: up? I I have no idea what their kids' names <laughs> are, but now I really want to find them because uh,
0: uh, Ms. Children. I'm just doing this because I don't want people. Madison Jade and Monroe Sky. Okay, there you go. Okay,
1: there you have it. I just <laughs> I found close. one. Wikipedia, children, two.
0: So <laughs> I'm assuming I mean. nobody's instructing, hey, Madison Jade and Monroe Sky, go over, say hi to dad, and then go play on the piano. They just naturally do it. And when kids naturally do things like that, it just makes it feel so much more real and so organic. And, um, yeah, it was it was it was lovely seeing the children make their raw debut or at least – um, yeah,
1: yeah. I, I could I could argue that for the purpose of this segment, I don't know if attaching them to, to children in the home was the best well, idea here. I think that was exactly
0: the point, the idea that Dexter Lewis is in there
1: okay. with kids. Exactly. Well, I, oh, but I then think, who else? Who are they intending on? The villain, the though, kids? is the Miz here. I am not <laughs> at all villainizing the Miz. I want this intruder out of the house where these children are.
0: But what were they like? Were they just leaving the kids at home? Like, I mean, they must have a housekeeper. They, they left the crew to watch them. <laughs> okay, so that that's the reason why the crew was there to get this interview and also to babysit. Okay,
1: Ms. is refusing to answer any questions about Dexter Loomis, and then we can see Dexter in the in the window outside peering in as ms is explaining that uh well maurice comes in she thinks this dexter loomis thing is completely preposterous he'll never come to our home <laughs> this is like the worst horror movie it's like you know the um you know just calling out uh well the, he'll it, never come for us
0: he said they have a security system they have dogs you know this is actually like There's like an episode of Total Divas, I remember, where they actually exactly went through this, you know, like a, like a, some, some sort of home, and not a home invasion, but like somebody like at their door while Miz was like on the road. So, um, kind of basing it on a bit of reality here.
1: And he will not talk about what happened with, with Loomis. So he cuts the interview and leaves with Maurice and says, the guards will let you out. And the, then we pan over, and there's Dexter Loomis inside the house that contains his children, and uh, he shows off a drawing of their family. Mm. Is This this guy is... He's the baby face. He's the baby face in this, this home intruder. What, what did Miz do? What did Ms do that was so awful? This guy was wrestling a match, and Dexter Loomis showed up to choke him. Yeah, we
0: don't exactly know the reason. No, we don't. I think we're supposed to, um, home invasion is cool if it's being done to somebody you don't like. That is the lesson I think, uh, wrestling teaches us. You know, horrible
1: acts, horrible crime. Not when there's little kids. I think little kids, you default this, this is a criminal. (laughs) Well,
0: it's, it's, uh, it's it's actually being played for laughs. This whole story, you know, like I think that it, it exists sort of in an era of like, this is the cartoon aspect of the show. Um, No pun intended with the guy who draws cartoons, but you know, this is like the non-believable. You're not supposed to take it so seriously. Part of the show as the announcers kind of like, you know, reactions to it would entail.
1: All right. I'm just trying to follow along here of what I am supposed to be taking from these segments, because I am rooting for the Miz to have this man incarcerated for, for what's the what exactly is the follow-up going to be i know like next week we're going
0: to see the miz and he's not going to want to talk about it again but are they going to address like wall like the children what exactly happened between loomis and the children
1: how would he not go back and realize that and watch this is he going to just be because sometimes were we not supposed to see was this one of those segments where dexter loomis is invisible we didn't see him he wasn't No, we we saw it because the announcer saw it Okay, the announcers confirmed that they saw it as well. Yeah, okay, because there are yeah. some times when we're not supposed to see him, even though fans in the arena. That didn't was see a one-week
0: power he had. Oh, okay. You know, it was a temporary power he okay, had. Okay, so he's fully fleshed out now. We can all see him. Agreed. Yeah. So, so the announcers come back from this, and Graves is hysterical. He's like, "Why, why, why isn't why, why aren't the cops being sent? The you voice know. of reason." And then Jimmy S- Smith. Coming from his MMA days to calling um, home invasions and pivoting from that to wrestling match, I think he is the most fun person to watch.
1: You know, just he's like, "Well, (laughs) we got a show in San Jose next week, and here's the lineup." Yeah, Bobby Lashley and Seth Rollins and Kevin Owens against Austin Theory. They replayed like the whole segment almost with Owens and Theory. I'm
0: assuming this was like some sort of time fill because, like, I don't think this was significant of a segment enough.
1: They yeah, ran like pretty much the whole pull apart, and it, like it's like this is is this are they just replaying this whole thing? It was very long. Yeah, I mean,
0: maybe they're at the, you know heading towards the main event. We were short on this much time. But we thought the home invasion would take longer, and it didn't. So here's the whole segment.
1: Well, we we had to get our our time in for uh, for Dominic Mysterio's main event against Edge, with Rhea Ripley in the corner. Dom is out to new music, and. If you watch his mannerisms as he gets onto the turnbuckle and is slapping, the, like he's just doing Eddie, like that's the template. And mm. and if anyone calls him out on it, it's like it's. I guess it makes sense. He's just copying Eddie. It's like just just do Eddie when you're out there as best yeah, as you I mean, can.
0: You learn from the best, of course. And I think he would have reason to being the uh, the legitimate
1: child of the man. Edge just destroys this man at the beginning. You wanted this, Dom. And Rhea's reminding Dominic that Ray cared more about edge than you. So go kick his ass. It was not working. Edge is just destroying him, throws him into steps. Finally, it's Rhea that gets the, uh, the, the offense in on edge by chop blocking his bad injured knee from last week. And Dom rams it into the steps. We come back. Dom is in control here. Um, and then Rhea holds onto Dom's ankle preventing a superplex and Dom hits a frog splash for a 2 count and Edge hits the impaler DDT crowd gets to their feet as he signals for the spear and as he goes for it Dominic counters by rolling into the single leg crab um something that I'm sure was former. taught to him by one Lance Evers He's a former Storm Wrestling Academy student there This so was a cool a, spot to a uh, nice little in reference in Yes
0: Yeah you thought Eddie was the only person okay he's mimicking listen yes. okay there are two charisma gods in our industry. One is Eddie Guerrero. The other is Lance Storm. Well, he, <laughs> honestly speaking, two, two great teachers he, he would have had.
1: As the saying goes, success has many fathers. Yes. Edge powers out of the single leg crab into a cradle, then ties Dominic into the ropes. He's delivering s- strikes, and he goes to spear him when Ray just like uh, Dexter Loomis is his way in here. Just poof out of like thin air. He appears and he gets in the way edge pushes Ray off and they start arguing when Damien priest appears yanking out Ray and tossing him onto the desk. Finn runs in attacking edge for the DQ at fifteen ten, and Rhea hits edge with a chair shot to the bad knee, hands it to Dominic and Dominic repeatedly hits the knee with the chair. And they elevate the leg of Edge onto the chair for Finn to deliver the ultimate coup de grace onto this leg as God. Judgment Day is booed. And Jimmy Smith says, a disgusting family photo as they boo and says, looks like Dominic has a new family now.
0: Yeah, that is right. You know, I, I have no doubt that coup de gras was perfectly safe, but God, it looked devastating. You know like we usually see guys like you know do the pillbanizing thing like doing the uh, using the chair but like when when the knee is elevated and you just see a guy like jump with his feet onto the knee like it 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 just felt so much more devastating. I thought overall like the storytelling was really successful in this match. I thought the crowd engagement was really strong because the build up to it has been really strong. Edge I found awesome in this role. Um just as like this towering monster like he size wise he he's so much bigger than dominic and he had a reason to play you know the the, the monster in this match he, c- completely golfing like he's a hall of famer versus his friend's son who's like tiny still a bit of a rookie and so he completely dominated just a it was,
1: really tough dynamic to get across when you've got like that it, like in this one you're right like it, it, worked, it works. It, it works for like th- this story of like Edge and so. I would I would say like like with Dominic, like this match to me was very much. Um, it, it was laid out the way it should have been. Like I think Dominic going fifteen minutes is it, well, that's a really tough ask of him at this point.
0: It's Rhea is the difference maker. You know, Rhea is as a big a part a part of the act as Dominic himself is, and and she was the the competent one, really kind of serving up the advantage for him to continue onwards. Um, but I. I think Dom did a decent job wrestling a more heelish style um there's still I think a lot to be desired for him to like feel like a fully fleshed out person, but like right now it's like I don't think he's supposed to feel like a fully fleshed heel. He's supposed to be again a twelve year old trying to look like he's thirteen and, they, they were uh, smart
1: in the sense that like you did have this knee injury, but it like this match. Like, having Edge sell for most of this match, I think it would have been really tough to watch for Without minutes. Without Rhea. Uh, without Rhea, but also, like, a lot of this, like, Edge took, like, the whole first half of this match, and then a lot of the last half of it like it was just like Rhea, like got the heat temporarily and mm-hmm. dominic worked over the knee and i think it was just enough until they kind of shifted the focus back onto edge because it like it, it's a tough visual watching dominic kind of handle this man who just is <laughs> like one is just like towers over this guy. it's like mm-hmm. to me it's a it's a tough visual
0: it is yeah which is uh, i guess so you know so which is why they're so reliant on having the extra people around to, yeah. to really help Dominic get up there. I like the fact that like they left a lot of the physical attacks um, for Dominic a bit more like uh, they didn't really do it as much last week as they did this week. Cause it made this week feel like that much more impactful. This week felt like you, he, he fully turned to the dark side and uh, I continue to really enjoy like Ray Mysterio's role in this, like being sort of stressed father torn between the best friend and, and, and the son. Um, he i think continues to do a very good job
1: yeah and you have kind of edge and ray getting uh, like at odds as well at the end of this i i like the like the drama that they are creating here it's like i can see Mm -hmm. people really getting into this story it's like the it's like your week to week soap opera it's not just a well we'll figure out what we're doing next week and we're just going to do this endless cycle of rematches between all of them like it seems like there is a progression to this story each week dominic has now fallen like he is now locked in with the judgment day and i i think it's good to have this kind of week to week kind of episodic story that they have going on i would
0: argue like every wrestling feud should feel like this you know like like should like, like an actual, like, believable character motivations for every single participant involved. Um, rather than just, I think, I don't know, a series of like, you beat the, me and the, I beat you. The New Day and
1: Viking Raiders.
0: <laughs> Thank you. Yes. Yeah. This is like, ha- it has been good so far. I'm not saying this match was excellent. I don't, I don't even think like match quality wise it was that special, other than just the idea to see like Dominic perform as a heel for the first time, Ray in a bit, sorry, Edge in a very dominant role. But I, I think the storytelling is what stands out to me the most, and I think it's strong.
1: Yeah, I, I like this episode of Raw. There was some very good wrestling on the show. I think when you, when you have um, – you know, Balor and Riddle was, was very good. Gable and John Gargano was very good. Yeah. Th- those, those two really stood out to me as the big high points of the show along with Kevin Owens' promo.
0: Agreed. And I think the main event, too, you know, for the storytelling. So I there, there continues to be enough good stuff on these editions of Raw to make three hours still. I mean, it still feels like three hours, but it's um at least a three hours with something that you're leaving with rather than three hours with no redeeming value whatsoever.
1: Best Omos match I've ever heard. <laughs> That's right. Again, I think they're stumbling
0: onto something, you know, it should just be like he should only have lights out matches yeah. where nobody can see anything.
1: I like the direction that the tag titles are on the team that is viewed as the serious team that we're pushing. So, which, I,
0: which tag? The women's tag. Titles.
1: Getting the titles onto Kai and Sky, I think that's the right move. I just, I really did not like this this two week detour that that they went through. And
0: it would I mean, be different
1: if we had, like, we might still
0: get follow up with Raquel and, and Aaliyah that might justify that two week run. I just don't really know. What, what would justify
1: this, this this two-week run? Like, if they have,
0: what are well, What they? everybody suggested, right? And that, um, I don't know, it's either Aaliyah turning on Raquel or Raquel turning on, maybe Raquel turning on Aaliyah might be more significant, you know, having her go heel. But Aaliyah is not at all a babyface that I feel like the audience will feel that much sympathy for.
1: I think that would have to be a really short, Raquel just destroys Aaliyah and then she's moving on to, on to onto whatever is, is next. Yeah, yeah. So there you have it, Raw from Portland, Oregon. So next week, they are in San Jose, where the face of Raw is at stake.
0: The face of Raw, yeah. In the Will you have glasses
1: or, or not? That's the question.
0: <laughs> I hope he gives you this look. It's a great look. All right, let's go to some uh, – oh, well, let's go, first of all, to a super chat here from Jamie Coe, who sends $6 Canadian just to say, I'm here for one thing. Just one? And I have no idea what that one thing is because that's all he wrote here. So I hope you got your one thing, Jamie, it whatever it was. Dominic. Maybe. Uh, thank, thank you for the support. Let's go to some feedback from forum.postwrestling.com. This is available to all of our postwrestlingcafe.com patrons. Uh, would you like to start, John?
1: Okay, Saeed from Vancouver, Kevin Owens just keeps getting better and better on the mic. he seems to be the Moxley of the WWE right now in that regard. They give Dakota and Sky the tag titles only to go back to being up against Bliss and Oscar. Hopefully they can give us a better feud this time that is one thing like coming out of this uh, this tag tournament it it is not like we have created all these like different teams and a, a division for lack mm-hmm. of a better term like it is really just the champions and then whoever the challengers of the week are which Are what you know. You had this this tag title program for two weeks, but uh, coming out of this, you really don't have any deeply set set up teams to go to.
0: Right, agreed. You know, um, it still very much feels like a division that's in need of rehabbing. Uh, At least we have teams to speak of, but you know, I think match quality still leaves a little bit to be desired, and even just like story of like how many defenses can there possibly
1: be before they run out. A seventeen match, a seventeen minute match that ends in a DQ. Why are we surprised? Something, some things will never change in WWE. Just give Dominic a distracted win. I, I didn't even care so much about the DQ. I mean, you got the angle at the end that I, I, I thought the Coup de Gras spot looked really cool, just in terms of like an actual like injury angle that they've uh, they've done with Edge. And do you think that Rollins and Lashley ends with a clean winner next week?
0: Yeah, um, I'm guessing no. I'm guessing no for that one. And and, and that is to Said's point, you know, if they continue. Yeah, like it's one thing if like, you know, a DQ finish leads to further story, but at some point P- your your audience is going to catch on to the fact that these main events aren't going to have finishes. And next week I can't see either person really take well, you know what? I could see Riddle costing Rollins the match, just to return the favor for the week.
1: I, I would like to see them further establish like these these matches when you when you build up to them that they do have your like a clean winner, like I w- But that that's going to take a, a long time, I think, to get people into that that mindset. That odds are you're going to get a a clean winner, like like you do mo- most weeks on like a dynamite main, main event. Mm-hmm. Um, but
0: they I should have think- a clean winner next week. Like again, Rollins can take these losses, especially at the hands of like you know Riddle costing him, and I don't think he loses anything. All right, uh, so let's next. go to a Muggin. Who says a solid episode that had Judgment Day look strong and to a lesser extent Dominic Mysterio? The jury's still out on his long-term potential as a heel, but writing off Edge is a good start. Yeah, do you think Edge? Like, how long do you think Edge is gone from this injury?
1: Well, I, th- I I thought originally like last the the last time that they attacked the knee, but then they quickly set up the match with Dominic. This one seemed like a more significant one that he should be out for some time. And and if that's the case, um. Like, I I would think he's someone that is going to be on that list for for Saudi Arabia. So maybe he's gone for, um, I mean, that's that's almost two months away. Um, but at the same time, I think this story kind of loses something with edge being off at, at this time. So maybe mm-hmm. you still have a presence with him on, on television, even if it's not wrestling, he's just done like a quite a slew of matches. When you put in like the Damian priest, one, the, the magic clash, then this one with Dominic, like he's, he's wrestling like semi regularly uh, mm-hmm. over this past month.
0: Yeah. And who can they introduce to this story to, I guess, you know, play the other person, um, if it's not going to be Edge
1: with Ray, Ray has another son. Who? Um, I don't know. You got to find the son. Then <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> you need to add people. Maybe Aaliyah. Uh, oh, wait, 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 if Aaliyah. Aaliyah comes back, will we? That'll be a real test of this regime. Will they have someone with the same name on this? I think you should
0: just use the Aaliyah that they have as, as Ray's daughter. Repurpose her as yeah, recast her as Ray's daughter. Okay. okay. <laughs> Damage is- Control got the tag titles. Johnny Gargano looked like he hadn't missed a day. He and Chad Gable rocked it. Kevin Owens says the battery it is back in this new regime. His fiery promo on Austin Theory was tremendous.
1: Her niece from New York City. How are we supposed to take Aaliyah seriously? I just realized that she doesn't have her own theme or music. Now, now that all right with the world title and the right ladies have the titles. When is Sasha and Naomi coming back? Even though he didn't use much offense, I was hoping Dominic came out with new offense outside of the Boston Crab. Uh, well, yes. I mean, you certainly have the titles on the two that would very much make it an, an easy return program for Sasha and Naomi, if that's, uh, if that's the direction you go.
0: I feel like they could hold off Sasha and, Naomi and Naomi's return for like, like a, even a Survivor Series at this point, don't you think? And,
1: and where's Survivor Series? Boston perfect
0: oh okay i just guessed yeah. yeah totally absolutely it it just feels like it would be a bigger deal for that um i think damage control have to kind of establish like a reign right now like they have to appear more certainly more more dominant than they've been thus far losing in the finals um and then make it so unbearable that you really have audience clamoring for sasha and naomi to you know take the titles off of them so probably that would probably be a great bet john uh, we, My turn? Um, Yes. We get to Alex from Portland who attended live. Alex says, I get why you would want Dominic and Edge to end in a DQ, but I'm bummed the lengthy main event ended that way. Rhea seems much harder with this Dominic per- perverting character than she was in her earlier Raw singles run. I feel keeping her separated from the women's division has helped her stand out. Gargano's debut was fun, but the highlight of the night was Kevin Owens. Theory is good, but he feels very much in the wrong place right now. While Owens knocks it out of the park whenever he gets the chance, if Roman is holding the title for longer, having a babyface be Money in the Bank holder sounds more intriguing. Owens would be great, but G- G- Gargano reigns would be an utterly fantastic match. Uh, first of all, let's talk about that. Yeah, you were suggesting that, John. You know, c- c- could these series of matches between Omos, sorry, Owens and and uh, uh, theory be leading to like a briefcase challenge? Um. It
1: could. I, I, yeah. Like next week, I don't see theory beating, uh, Kevin Owens. Um, at least, at least I, I, I really hope that he doesn't because it just, it kind of just trivializes. Like, I like the idea of like building up a guy, putting some wins behind him and, and really get getting Owens going. And it would make sense that, you know, you get a briefcase program out, out of this, but at the same time, I, I don't see this as they're just, uh, uh, Forgetting about theory, like I do believe they they see a lot in, in theory, but I think this could actually be a, a positive for him of getting that briefcase off. And that that gives him kind of the the ammunition to make some adjustments and have this, you know, thing that is taken away from him that he ends up uh, coming out of this as sort of a longer term project, but is not sort of thrown into that that mix immediately.
0: Yeah, yeah, I actually quite like the idea now that the more I think about it, especially because, you know, you have Owens as a babyface and Roman Reigns as a dominant heel champion. So um, it's a case where, like, a babyface with the money in the bank stalking the champion kind of makes sense. Uh, His question is where do you see Omos going next? Him squashing jobbers is getting old, but I can't see any good candidate for him to feud with.
1: I I, I can't say that there's um, a whole lot. and who comes out of that one? You well, know, like Braun Omos- to me is now like he's back to being like the new shiny toy, and he's a lot more versatile of a performer that, than Omos. Mm-hmm. So, um, but but they're also on. I mean, it, it doesn't mean a whole lot uh, of them being on
0: separate shows. But are they um, though? Like Braun is on both shows thus far. We don't know which which everybody's on it on both shows. So, yeah, I, I I do feel like Omos is kind of in that you know under the new regime, sort of in that lost position. Same with like a Veer Mahan. When was the last time you saw him?
1: Yeah. I mean, there's, uh, I, I think only going to be so many of, of those roles that, that we see like Veer, maybe Veer gets a whole makeover.
0: Um, another one. He's a baseball player this, this time.
1: <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, and then the promos start running now and then he'll <laughs> debut the night after WrestleMania. Maybe. Yeah. Last one. Uh, oh, we, we have a uh, Garrett here from the MOOC. Was at Raw tonight? Good show, hot crowd, completely full, but the top level was shut off. He said the biggest reactions were for Edge, the Kevin Owens promo, Seth Rollins introduction, and Balor's pot reference. Most heat was Judgment Day at the end. Gable made some good jokes about Portland during the commercial break. First Raw here since around 2018. Portland has always been a hot crowd. Lashley beat Damian Priest with a spear in the dark main event. Well, thank you very much for the uh, live report, Garrett.
0: Is the pot reference, like... Honestly, that special these days. Like, isn't it legal in most places now?
1: If it got this reaction, then it it, it got the desired outcome. If it was uh,
0: like, big. I think him saying that in Toronto, yeah, it would get a reaction. But I also feel like it would be like, um, like we have a pot store on every. Like, we have multiple pot stores. We have more pot stores than Tim Hortons. Honestly, like in Toronto now, yeah. And it just, like, it doesn't feel like that big of a deal anymore. But, I don't know, maybe in certain parts of the world it still does. Uh, Okay, we go to Kate up next who says, It feels like WWE is still working its way through what things it wants to change and what it wants to keep. And sometimes that can make things worse. Like combining a 15-minute-plus Dominic Mysterio match with a DQ finish. I'm all in favor of more wrestling on my wrestling shows, but longer matches should be reserved for people who can carry them. And WWE has long since burned the screwy finish bridge. Uh, yeah um yeah I, clearly a lot of people upset about
1: this. It, it, well it, it it's a larger issue that that kate brings up because as we brought up like for lashley and rollins next week your reaction is well riddle probably costs them that is mm-hmm. that it, enticing you to tune in to this and, and watch it when you believe there's a good chance i'm not getting a clean finish like that kind of defeats the purpose of being able to promote a match a week in advance when it's oh this is a pretty big match i'm sure we're gonna get a DQ finish out of it like it it kind of it kind of it kind of hurts you when that's what your audience's immediate assumption is I
0: suppose like when I watch wrestling I don't necessarily get as upset about like finishes like that as long as there is like story material coming out of it that is relevant I feel like we got that today with you know Dominic Taking sort of like a more like an even deeper heelish turn, Edge like getting like a an injury that that'll mm-hmm. probably have him out for several months, and also I think deepening like whatever Rey Mysterio's kind of character motivation is now not being best on best terms with Edge. Yeah. Like as long as I think you have some result coming out of it that is significant that that makes me watching this worthwhile, I'm not as upset when we don't get you know a one two three clean finish. I,
1: I was the same tonight. I didn't have a big issue with with the DQ. Like the the story was what was bigger there like you got something coming out of it and and I'm the first one to complain when they do these long ma- to me it's like when you're doing it and it's just it's the only out we have to to a match it's just mm-hmm. we're not giving you anything it's just hey we don't want to do a, a winner or a loser here at least in this one, like, you, you got, like, a follow-up at the end. You got storyline advancement with it that the mm-hmm. DQ was a way to get there, but the DQ was not the last step. Uh, and you're just going off with a sour taste in your mouth because you didn't get a finish. I imagine that, like, there's
0: there's also probably thinking and in, in trying to, like, separate what you get on TV versus what you get on these premium live events, you know? Um It's different from AEW's philosophy where I think like their want is to like promote big matches, give you like actual results. But then I personally feel sometimes you get to a pay-per-view where the pay-per-views don't feel all that different from a Dynamite. Um, Is that justification for, for this type of booking? Maybe not. I'm not sure, but... I'm sure it's at least their justification. Okay, Kate goes on. Rey Mysterio appears to have been taking promo lessons from his son because this was '80s after-school special level cringe. I'd like to see them wrap up this portion of the JD story arc quickly and put the spotlight on Rhea where it belongs. But Dominic seems to be the project right now. Yeah, do he- it for us. <laughs> Kate's not a fan. Give us I a chance. Like I guess I'm so used to like professional wrestling, like. Level acting that I, I don't know. I didn't mind it so much, but I, I, I see your point, Kate. Kevin Owens just continues to reach new heights, and I sincerely wish they'd let him be the one to take Roman's title. His unpolished, rough edged persona is the opposite of Roman and the opposite of Cody for that matter. And I think they could craft a great story where he finally gets the big win. Sadly, I'm pretty sure I'm out of luck with this one. I still love, love seeing him on my TV every week. Yeah, there's a potential, you know, great feud between Cody and Kevin Owens. Yeah, promo wise, that'd be great. Um, last thing here is a super chat from Slim Sieber who sends $5. Thank you for the support, Slim Seber. He says, with unified tag and world championships, do you, champions, do you think we get away from the brand versus brand format for Survivor Series?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, I guess like the, uh, like the, there's still kind of the, the promotion for it. Sure seems like they're still leaning towards that. I, I would really hope that is, um, that would be a format I would love to see just thrown out, out the window, um, mm-hmm.
0: personally. Talk about like non finishes, you know, like that's like at best you get a champion beating an, another champion, but not taking their belt, which I think, you know, defeats the purpose of a champion versus champion match. So at the very least, I ho- like they could still do brand versus brand matches. I just don't want to see the champion versus champion matches.
1: I, yeah. I just think like the brand split to me, it, it's never felt weaker. It's yeah. never felt less distinguished of who is on what show and what they're possibly fighting for. Mm-hmm. Um I, I really hope survivor series is sort of built around something a lot more captivating than raw versus SmackDown. That to me is, and that's a show let's, let's remember like it sold out right away. So that's, that's one show where this has totally benefited from this optimism in the, in the product and, and the name I, brand maybe, you know? And, yeah. To, a, to a degree. Like I, I don't think Raw versus Smackdown is, is the reason people are, are buying that, but mm-hmm. th- th- there also might be some that, uh, they, they do get a kick out of people in t-shirts, uh, wrestling yeah. each other
0: at best. Like maybe, maybe like you do a five on five survivor series style of match with something at stake. And I don't know what that something could be like that, that, I don't know.
1: We go through this every year. Yeah. Adding some kind of stakes to it. Someone gets something out of it. Like everything's on the table. You can do something that's a reason to have, like you shoot some kind of angle that leads to one match and the winners all gain something, whether it's positioning in the Royal Rumble, you're something. I I think like it's, it's something that I think you have an audience that they will get into if you give them a reason, but it's Mm -hmm. been years of, I would say, like, the one year over the last few that they got interested in was when you injected NXT NXT that one year.
0: Correct, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, um, like, and who was involved in that? I mean, it was Hunter and and his brand. So, I I look forward to seeing, like, Hunter's take on, I think, what everybody recognizes is a bit of a stale um, format of Survivor Series.
1: And there's also that quick turnaround because they've got the Saudi Arabia show, I think, is November 5th, and then Survivor Series is I think it's three weeks after that. Like it's a very quick turnaround from one to the other. All right. Thank you to everybody for your super chats, all of your feedback, including the, uh, the live reports. We got a lot of from feedback
0: Portland. for, for raw these days, you know? So, I mean, clearly more interest in, in the product, even on our audience.
1: Yeah. So raw, raw is picking up steam. We are going to be back on Wednesday with rewind to dynamite. We will be live minutes after dynamite concludes. I will guarantee that driving, To the location of dynamite and sitting in those seats and taking notes far more relaxing than what I feel I will go through on Wednesday in the comfort of my own home, taking notes and then going live five minutes after my, I I said to way, as we were seeing the seats, this is the most, this is the most relaxing dynamite I've ever watched. It it does move really
0: like it does. The pacing feels a lot better for some reason. Like when you're watching live,
1: well, I'm not doing like five different things. I'm just right. sitting there, and I am taking notes, but nonetheless, yeah. it was it was quite a difference for me that uh, we'll be back to normal on, on Wednesday. So we will be live then Tuesday night. Up next as well, Talk, Volume 6, dropping for all members at postwrestlingcafe.com. And then on Wednesday, the NXT 2.0 Roundtable Show with Braden, Davey, Denise Salcedo, and Jason Solomon. So look out for all of that. Postwrestling.com is your home, and that is going to conclude rewind a raw.